Legends of Grayskull Revolution Reviews. Uh, today we are doing episode four, The Dogs of War. I'm Matthew Duch here again. Uh, we're back with Sean Scavarna, Curtis Ackerman, and unfortunately Jesse Arnold could not be here with us again for this episode. Uh, so we are slumming it today with Matthew Rodriguez. <laughs> Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Excellent. Now that we got Mad Rod here. <laughs> hey, we got it. You know, this this season is ramping up. We're in episode four. We're kind of nearing the climax. And I thought that uh, you guys needed to uh, step up the game a little bit. And no offense to Jesse, but um, when we're talking about cool and deep, interesting books and, and comic books and stuff like that, he's your man. But when we're talking about Motu. Yeah. And, and plus, you always help me get to climax. So... <laughs> So. Oh, I'm sorry. This Legends of Grayskull, not off-world. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Whoa, whoa. That's not... I thought he was referencing a Motu character named yeah, yeah. Climax. Yeah, Climax. Climax. Yeah. Climax yeah. With, a, with a three X's, right? Is that what... <laughs> <laughs> so we are here in the penultimate episode with the penultimate. Uh, Matt, so real quick here, uh, how are you, how were you enjoying episodes one through three thus far? I I have enjoyed them very very much. Um, I've watched them several times um, in preparation for reviews that I have uh, some other friends that are probably reviews that are not going to happen. So. Um, well, you guys generally take like twelve months after the. I've stored, <laughs> I've stored those thoughts and ideas up, but no, I've, I've, I've been uh, very, very impressed. And like I watched some of the um, behind the scenes, the episode one review you guys were doing, and uh, I definitely think that I'm on the same page as far as like we get why this is kind of so fast. Mm-hmm. We wish some pieces were drawn out a little bit more, but understandably so. Um, I definitely think, even thus far, one through three, that they uh, they found a pace that was quick, but it didn't irritate me. No. If anything, it's I, I feel like it's paced like, like an old cartoon show. Like it's boom, 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 boom. We're not, yeah. you know, there's no wasted time. Right. They're using it all. So, So you guys know the drill. We're already on episode four. Um, If you're somehow here without having watched Revolution on Netflix, I have no idea what's wrong with you, but go watch Revolution on Netflix, then watch episodes one, two, and three, then come back and join us. All right. We're going to jump right in. (laughs) 
welcome back for those that just went and did all the stuff that he just said and <laughs> now you're here with us we appreciate it yeah. uh episode four the dogs of war scene one adam and cringer are locked up in the royal prison with skeletech taunting them uh adam says it's true you really are keldor and skeletor replies in the flesh Skeletor lets Adam know when he joined up with Hordak in the Horde, uh, Hordak took Keldor from his mind and gave him a fake origin story. But thanks to Motherboard rewiring him, Skeletor has pieced together his true origins. He now knows he's a king denied the throne. Uh, Adam tells him that a king would never kneel to invaders, and Randor knew this. Uh, Skeletor counters, saying whatever Randor did or didn't do doesn't matter. And without Paternia for his soul to rest, Randor's soul will be lost to time and space. Horde troopers bring Marlena into a cell with Adam and Cringer. Skeletor says it's a pity that technology blocked Adam from the power of Grayskull, because he'd love to see the look on the other guy's face right now. Oh, it's me. That's right. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's pretty cut and dry, this scene. But at the same time, I do like... Uh, I like how much Skeletor's taunting him here. And the the way that he does that, it doesn't matter one way or the other about Randor. It almost reminds me of the, I was the roommate of your brother's sister's first cousin. Thing. What does it make us? Nothing. It just has that vibe to it that amused the hell out of me. But, um, but yeah, just seeing it's, it's that whole, you know, the hero is brought to his lowest moment and, uh, you know, Skeletor really does feel like he's won the day at this point. So that's pretty crappy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, so for me, it's like, you know, Skeletor's sitting here gloating, but at the end of the day, he's still, like, just somebody's minion, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like you're sitting here gloating, but you're mm -hmm. not really the one that's... This isn't your victory. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, just kind of waiting for him to kind of realize that and, you know, do his Skeletor thing and and try to, you know, be the one that that's on top. Um, and then for, you know, Adam's perspective, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things to be you know, you've taken, you've suffered a great loss and now you're kind of at that low moment. And then the only thing that could make it worse is to see, you know, one of your loved ones suffering and, mm -hmm. you know, see his mom kind of tossed around and not really doing hot. Um, you know, that, that makes it even that much more. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if we thought that in the last episode, when, when he man went to snake mountain and was very, aggressive and tearing stuff up and and not really you know caring yeah. um i can imagine that after this it's gonna be you know when when he finally gets his his uh revenge on skeletor it's not gonna be pretty mm -hmm. so yeah they um i think that a little bit of that banter that was even carried over from the first season of uh revelation that I don't personally remember too much like Prince Adam discussion with like any scenes. I don't remember too much of that about filmation. I yeah. do remember a little bit in, um, in 2000 X, but 
I just feel like they carried over like good character development. Like these, oh. the talk, they talk to each other. Like they know how each other takes, especially now on the new level of knowing that he's He-Man and wanting to see the look on the other guy. Like, yeah. like yeah. that's, that's, that's not just a nod to like, uh, 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 Skeletor being like, well, I prefer the other, like, but yeah, it's like a dig at Prince Adam, like, mm-hmm. like I'd rather be, it's like me against him, it's not me against you, Prince, like, mm-hmm. exactly. like you, need to, you need to power up to be on my level, and so it, it carried over a, a, a lot of that, kind of that tone um, of just good dialogue and um, good character development um, as far as, as far as those two go, so, so that was really nice to see. The, the one problem that I have with it, though, is that as I'm watching it and I'm listening to it, it still sounds like the Joker talking to Bruce Wayne, <laughs> like saying, I would like to see the look on the other guy's face, meaning uh, Batman, because that's all I'm hearing. Like as as he's going on, the Curtis cannot get here. past the, the Jokerness of the there, there, Well, no. there are definitely and, and it's not I would say it's not even it. I would agree in the sense of especially if you are a Batman fan, Mm -hmm. because there are, and you know what, Curtis, to your point, I definitely think there are multiple lines in this season and multiple lines in season one that they just went out and just said, we're going to give him a Joker line. We're going to do a Joker phrase and, and we're going to see how many fans catch it. And I definitely think that that might not have been the smartest thing to do. Um, mm. because personally, like, I don't, I don't see very much connection between Joker and Skeletor. And I think for the most part, he does a good job just being a new character with that voice. But yeah, definitely it like brings you back to thinking about Joker when they're like, okay, this would be a funny thing to say. Like mm. he's going to mention Ivy and or whatever, like in season one, I know there's like two or Wait. three times. Whenever what? he said, whenever he said Linny in season one, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. all I could hear yeah. was Joker. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, just just the look on the other guy's face just sound, it just feels to me like something the Joker would say. Um, and, and I know that Kevin Smith's a huge uh, yes. Batman the Animated Series fan. Mm-hmm. He's a huge fan of you know Hamill and his portrayal of the Joker. And so I feel like some of that plays into this. But that yeah, there's a lot of times where. It's I would not. Be, it's not always, but there's certain things that that are said that I'm like, that's very Joker, and and the look on the other guy's face was a very Joker moment. To I me. wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised, Curtis, to your point, if because I do know that there is there is minor little bits of like improv in this mm-hmm. that I would completely wouldn't be surprised if that was a line that Hamill wrote himself. Yeah, I could see that for for this character. But mm-hmm. because he's a voice actor and he like this would this would sound good and then it kind of draws into his Great like ad libbed and they just left it in, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I could I could see that. Yeah. Nah, I, I agree with you guys. It's picking right up. One of the best parts of Revelation for me was in, in the second half where they're at Point Dread and Skeletor and Adam meet for the first time after you know all the reveals, the secrets on everything. And their dialogue where they, like you said, they are viewing them as equals in a way. And Adam's able to stand up to Skeletor in a way that he's never been able to before. You know, because he's he's always had to act the cowardly prince. And now just like, you know, 
Um, and I, and I like I like Skeletor's disappointment of like I he's like I get that it's you, but it's not as fun because mm. it's it's not you. It's not the you I want to beat. Mm. Um, so yeah, lot, lots of layers there, and it's just it's a great scene between the two of them. All right, moving on to scene two. As Horde troops continued to deploy in Eternos, Evelyn and Tila used Tila's new Ka abilities to spy on the army. Uh, Tila is worried about where Adam is being kept, while Evelyn reminds her their mission is to find Skeletor and get the Havoc Staff. Uh, only with all of the ancient magic combined can they hope to defeat the Horde, Skeletor, and resurrect Paternia. Uh, sneaking up on them are two horde troopers. Uh, but to everyone's surprise, a mysterious warrior in a white and gold battle suit jumps in to help Tila and Evelyn. Making short work of the troopers, the warrior reveals himself to be Duncan in his new man of war suit. Uh, when asked where he's been, Duncan says he's been playing matchmaker. Back at Gwildor's workshop, he and Orko are still arguing with each other as or as Gwildor begins the tech upgrades to Sword of Power. Orko asks how much longer the modifications are going to take, just as Grizzlor, Mantena, and Leech break down the front door. Um, yeah, I mean, starting off like the invasion of the the horde. Um, so cool, like seeing yep. all those troopers come out of the ship and stuff, and like the ships in the air. Like, it really does feel like one of those, like, how on earth are they going to get past this? Or how are an attorney, I guess, are they going to yeah. get past this? Because it just seems like such an overpowering, just massive force that they're going to be going up against. It's like, um, it's like there's a, the hordes. Can, can we talk real quick? Because we didn't really discuss the horde troopers and their kind of redesign. Um, I guess I really like what they did with them. Where honest, they, I didn't notice a redesign. I thought that they looked very I mean, they're, similar. They're to how pretty I similar, remember. but they're not as humanoid. They're a bit more robotic, and they're about a good foot, foot and a half taller than your regular uh, human. So, I mean, obviously you've seen fan art and redesigns and everything where you take the Horde Troopers up to like a mech level, which I think is a bit too large. Like, I like... The in-between that they landed on here, where they're not just a humanoid robot, you know, regular sized. There's a bit of a different proportion, and the the height I like. I like where they settled on the height for them. Mm -hmm. I, I, they, I didn't notice anything. I, I'll be honest. I get, it just looked like an animated version of the toys, and uh, I, I didn't notice really much of a difference. So... Right. Matt, I noticed that like the site, it was again animated version of the toy. I think that it those those figures specifically hit or in the show, like they were recognizable. Like you know, oh, you yeah. knew what they were. Um, they definitely like add that you know Iron Man spin to just kind of that that general Iron Man design that's used multiple times in this show and other shows, um, where like that's it's almost like everyone goes there. Um, Loving me some Lynn and Tila stuff. Again, the building of relationships, um, the dialogue progression, uh, Snake Tila, Goddess Tila, love love the design. Um, 
and uh, this man of war, I it's like not it. Not the character from the create a character contest. No, different <laughs> guy. Different guy. Definitely different guy. Which is same name. Same name though. The how I I actually listened to your guys' episode right before I watched this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how how weird it's is so that? Weird. Yeah, so yeah. weird. And then um. But I will say, and I, I don't know, are you guys like, it's obviously not spoilers for future episodes, but, Correct. but, um, well, like I'm not spoiling anything if I say, or I can't mention anything in future about future episodes. Correct? We try not, try not to. Okay. But if I was to say that this costume feels like it could have been connected to other new toy action figure upgrades, um, that almost in design and color scheme, it just seemed like that. So I don't know if that was something that was on the table uh, in the writing session and writing room. And I know that like the CGI has a different view of, you know, let's Power Ranger up all the power. Yeah. And if they were like possibly going to do that a little bit more than they, you know, could have in this season. Um, but it definitely had some nods to like, I'm like, well, this is, it just felt a little bit not mis, maybe misplaced. Like, like, and I'm, I'm getting again, wonderful, like absolutely love it, but I'm almost, I almost feel like if I was to try to get too nitpicky that like, wouldn't have dunk the hunk, like not armored up man at arms be like more of this, like, cause he's like hi hiding from the castle and like hiding from like everyone's teched up and he's like on the run, like. But then all of a sudden he comes out and he's in this like the most upgraded armor of all time. And so it just it just felt like a little bit weird. It like caught I, me off guard, I guess. I think I think it's kind of the like he he admitting that he's getting up there. Like he needs more protection. He need his best friend and king just died. It's he's like not banner in a Hulk cluster suit when he can't turn into the Hulk. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or even if you go like the Batman Beyond route, if you guys watch that, oh, like, yeah, yeah. that's how Bruce gets to the Terry suit is the mm. fact that he can't, he's, you know, he needs more help from the suit and he's even got more suits that do more walking for him and everything else. Cause it's just like, you know, after all these years, everything he's been through, you know, man arms, is he's got to, he's got to protect himself a little bit better. That so. makes sense. That makes sense. It, and it of course, of course, the extendar like, nods in in it are yeah. amazing as well. Like, it felt to me too, like like if if Revelation was a one off and we never got anything else, like that was kind of his, you know, you know, walking off into the sun kind of moment. Right. And and now it's like, okay, well, we still want to keep him involved in the story. How do we do that? Because he's no longer man at arms, and so you know. I don't know. The name is okay. Like it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Um, having a cool new suit that maybe yeah. protects him a little bit more in his older age and stuff and, and has some cool new gadgets. That's cool. Like I, I'm, yeah. I, I was okay with it. It didn't, it wasn't anything that I was like, Oh yeah, heck yeah. But I wasn't like, there was not, I didn't have a problem with it either. It's, so. it's the guy who retires but he still comes into his old job every day because yeah. he just doesn't know what else to do with his time. Yeah. It's like like uh, Tom Brady retiring and then great. coming back to win a Super Bowl. Right. <laughs> yeah. But then once you're home with the kids, it's like, yeah. Oh. Matt, back to you, you, Curtis. No, I I was I was. Oh, you were, I, I think I think I already started like, but but yeah, yeah I I like it. I mean, this uh, season and this specific moment too, 
it's like how many times are we going to get and i'm not saying this in a bad way uh uh scene where we see a new action figure like <laughs> there's just like throughout each episode you're like new action figure check new action oh, figure. Yeah. and like not even in a bad way like i no, genuinely uh en- enjoyed it for what it was so mm-hmm. yeah i mean i just got done talking in the last episode about my strong dislike for William Stout and what he did with, with costume choices and stuff like that. And I think it's the absolute opposite in this. Like I, I love all the costume change. I love the, the wintery costumes that we got to see for Tila and Evelyn. And, and now we're seeing the, the green, um, you know, outfit for, for Tila and stuff and, and the white, uh, robes for Orko. And I just love every one of these I see. And I'm like, man, that would be a cool toy. Oh, that'd be a cool toy. That'd be a cool toy. So yeah, I'm right with you. Like I, I, I just feel like, you know, I know this isn't the same as like back in the day with filmation where that, that, that cartoon was really to sell toys. Like that the whole purpose of it was to sell toys. And that's not exactly what they're doing here. Um, but that being said, there's a lot of cool toy ideas in this. And you can, you <laughs> so. just can't deny the history yeah. of, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's a toy line. It's, yeah. you're going to have it. So to have these new designs and these new armors feel like they should be on the shelves already, I think just shows that they really hit the nail on the head as far as coming up with the designs. Yeah. Well, e- even like uh, the, the, I don't even know how to describe it. It's almost like a colonial um like civil war um kind of uniform that adam's wearing like yeah, yeah. the coronation uniform yeah. yeah 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 like like that is a cool outfit too like yep. like there's so many different like even and just so, a little like little one-offs that's only there for a little bit you're like oh that's still cool too mm-hmm. and i don't know if you guys discussed that but like even thinking about that coronation outfit when i was watching it obviously they want to use the the prince adam buck that they already made so they're they're most likely going to do a figure of this but do you guys think that it was a little bit of the nods towards the wasn't there like blue vest team like Prince Adam like was it comic book or like early yeah, was, comic um, book? The the yeah, comic. there was. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really. You didn't put those two things. I, I just thought Not maybe really, they were putting no. those together. It could be. I, I don't know. I to me, it looked like you know somebody from the North in the Civil War. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, yeah. 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 Like, no. Yeah. More of the military blues type thing. Yeah. So yeah. We'll kick it over to you, Sean. I've talked a while. Oh. Um yeah, I mean like just it, it is interesting. Like uh I'm trying to remember everything that we talked about in that so <laughs> Evelyn and Tila having to work together and and it's kind of the Keldor thing, but in reverse in this case where it's like you know with Keldor there was that feeling of he's probably going to switch somewhere around here and with Evil Lynn it surprises me that the whole time I'm like please don't switch Mm. because I really like like Curtis was saying I really do enjoy her interacting with characters that we never saw her interacting with until this series and last series with you know the heroes and all that stuff so I, I really do enjoy that um and, yeah, they. I mean, just to tag onto that real quick, like they've really made me care about Evelyn, yeah, who's a character that I've never cared about in any other series, yeah. Um, through both of these, through Revelation and Revolution, um, same thing with we just talked about Gwildor, and he's also in this scene with the the, the Oracle and stuff. Like, never thought, like I've always, if if you would have asked me 
three weeks ago and any time before that who I thought the worst character ever in, in Masters of the Universe was, I would have said Gwildor. I love Gwildor in this series, you know? Mm -hmm. So they make me care about characters that I thought that I would never care about. Well, so. because they fit, they fit in the, the, the purpose of who they are. They're not just like, so like your example of Evil Lynn is that if they're just going to have her be Skeletor's sidekick, mm. like, th and there's no purpose of her position, like this series alone, like it gives her so many more layers mm -hmm. than and, and, and in a good, like in, in a wonderful way where, uh, you know, even I remember in the movie where I think uh, uh, she she says in the movie, she's like something she says, like us or like uh, Eternia will be ours. And then like Skeletor is like at last Grayskull is ours. Yeah. And he's no. like, it's, it's mine. Like, it's not yes. yours. And so even this, like her purpose in this, that she has her own voice, her own perspective. Mm -hmm. And that's just so refreshing to see that it's not just like a Harley Quinn type of, you know. Well, she's one step below. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she's going through a major transformation, like throughout this this story arc. And like, I, I, I'm trying not to get into spoilers, but there's a line coming up that she says that I think encompasses this whole thing. And you know, we'll get to there. But yeah, mm -hmm. I just I love her her story arc for sure. Yeah, go ahead, Sean. And, sorry. And I um, mean, like, uh, just to go back to Curtis's point too, I we dealt with universe ending events last time. Mm -hmm. There is something so much more interesting and so much more immediate to seeing the horde on Eternia. That was to me, that's a better storyline than, Oh, the, the universe is about to go up in flames because Evelyn decided she wants to be a nihilist at the last second. Mm -hmm. This to me is like urgent on so many levels and seeing the horde actually touching down on Eternia, it feels wrong, and I love that it feels wrong in this case. And I love that it's it. They, they kept saying like season three of two thousand X was going to be the heroes would be like the rebellion to go up against the greater problem, and we are getting little bits of that here with you know uh, Tila and Evelyn are hiding. Man-at-Arms mm -hmm. is technically Duncan, not Man-at-Arms anymore. Man-of-War is also hiding with them. And, and there's that whole idea, like, they're just trying to sneak in and do what they can versus they're not able to just come right out fighting against everything that's too much, which I like. And then I'm one of those people that I've been saying ever since I got invited to do a podcast that something about filmation that always drove me nuts was the progression is never there. It always resets. And that's something that I know uh, Matt has addressed it tons of times by us doing legends of gray skull where, you know, the reset button is always there at the end of every episode. Yep. So for me, seeing evil seeing Tila and now seeing Duncan progressing as characters and, and one, you know, they're, I don't want to say they're one upping, but they're, they're moving forward to address this threat in the way that they're having to address it is so much of what I've been wanting to see out of masters of the universe for 20 years. Yep, and yep. we're finally getting to see these moments. Like I love the man of war suit. I think it works really well. It gives, it gives Duncan this air of like, he's the, um, the, the, the hardened veteran 
on the field. And it's almost like, you know, with all of the suits he's had, it's always been a green and orange kind of vibe where he might camouflage in. This one's almost like the come at me, bro suit. It's like, I'm going out in a blaze of glory. If this is my final battle, kind of a feeling. Well, it's got some of that Orco hero white in it. Yes. Just like, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's also like, other than Extendar, there hasn't been a hero that really had that going for him in that way. So I kind of dig that that's almost like this series is let's go there. Let's yep. put these guys and make them the white knights now of Eternia going into battle against the great. Well, yeah, Eagles yeah, where you have that. where you have the, the the traditional king that yes. like gets suited up, puts yep. the whole puts the huge crown on his head. And carries the biggest sword and the biggest shield and goes out in front. Like, yeah. like I'm not, I'm not, you know, this isn't desert warfare. This isn't camouflage. This is like, Hey, like you said, come at me, bro. So, yeah. so I definitely think that was that that's a, a, a cool, that's cool that you noticed that. And on top yeah, and it's, it's kind of like when it, when it like min- mentioning kind of the warfare aspect of it, like I, cause that's what I kind of thought when I saw this scene because of, like, you know, nowadays, you know, war is fought with drones and, and, you know, it's who, who can shoot stuff the farthest, you know, and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, but, but there was a time, like you, you think back to like, like medieval times or, or, you know, anything before like gunpowder really. And, you know, where you would have to line up on the battlefield and just imagine the, that scenario where you line up on the battlefield and you see the other army approaching and you just know they've got more numbers than you, like double, triple, quadruple, 10, you know, 10 times the numbers that you do. Yep. And just that, oh shit feeling like mm-hmm. that's what I saw. Like when you see all those horde ships in the yeah. air and they land and all these horde troopers come out and it's like, Man, these guys way outnumber us, and we're yeah. in deep trouble right now. <laughs> like, well, it's it's yeah. that whole idea of the enemies almost blotting out the sun. There's so many of them right. in the sky. But the thing that I love is the line that Adam says to Skeletor in the last scene, where he says, "Then you know you would know that a king wouldn't yield to an invader." Mm. This is that moment where I, I'm kind of getting chills actually thinking about it. It's, it's the whole it wouldn't have been just Randor that wouldn't have kneeled. Mm-hmm. And this is proving how hardened these characters are to be doing what they're doing right now against odds that they would never be able to win, but they're still going to do something about this. Yeah. And I, that's I felt what like makes that was a callback awesome. to the 87 movie too. I think Skeletor so is trying to get him to kneel yeah. in front of him. He doesn't want to kneel. Yeah. yeah. And on top of that, it is a callback to the 87 movie because there's literally only a few of them that can actually get anything done here because even their own friends have mm-hmm. trouble, as we're going to find out here. And, yeah. and, and you, you really quick, though, you mentioned that last scene. And now that I'm realizing it and whether it was in, intentional or not, that he says to him, like, yeah, like, because I think in the episode one or episode, the beginning of episode two, where he's Prince Adam's talking to um keldor uh, he meant talking to keldor and i think prince adam says a line along like oh shoot like yeah you would be able to lead you would be able to be what the people need right now like you Uh fit their credentials and then this one he's saying like my dad wouldn't do this like don't Mm -hmm. like you're not you don't have the credentials like to Uh be the leader that you should be and i think it's even kind of the you know, curse and I have said throughout this, like, we're not sure if it's 
how much of the Keldor truth is really truth at this point. And maybe even Adam's feeling that way. And that's kind of a dig even at Skeletor. Like, dude, you're Skeletor. You're like the, the evil Lord of Destruction. Why are you kneeling for these? Even if you're not Keldor, even if you're yeah. not the king, like Skeletor wouldn't stand for this. Who are right. you? Like, you know, and that's yeah. kind of... You know, and, and I know, you know, Matt, you and I both have a, a love for the, the Christmas special, which Sean yes. hates. But <laughs> but like even like you think about that, like he's not going to be one upped by by Hordak no. in that, right. that, you know, yeah. so I think Adam's taken that point to be like, yeah, you know, maybe I can even just get if I can even just get Skeletor back like that would mm. actually be a boon to our side because Skeletor. Then, well, it's, then, it's then, yeah, like it creates some inner turmoil amongst the bad guys. You know, right. it's like it's it's like King Kong versus Godzilla, where yeah. like you know Godzilla's running rampant, so they go yeah. to the Skull Island and get King Kong mm -hmm. to come fight him. You yeah. know, it's like take each other out, and then maybe yep. we can you know come back on top. So. Skeletor has tried to take over Eternia for how long, and he's just gonna sit by and let Hordak do it. Yeah, Forget yeah, that. yeah. You're gonna play not even second fiddle, but third fiddle to the guy that's actually the victor, right? Yeah. yeah. And then I, I forgot too, so I'll just throw it out there really quick. Uh the Gwildor workshop scene. Yes. Uh again, love these characters together, love the voices, and I love that Orko in this almost reminds me of how Man at Arms treats him mm -hmm. in filmation. Yep. Yep. And he's doing it to Gwildor, and yeah, Gwildor is just there like Gwildor's just there like, I'm just doing what he told me to do. Get off mm. my back, basically. And then I love that it is a little like the 87 movie. There's a big nod to it with the fact yep. that the horde breaks in. And I love that they just cut it right there where you're thinking, oh, crap. Like, yep. the, the, that's the end for them. And they got the power sword. The horde <laughs> also now have the power sword because the minute Grizzlor busts in, that's it. And There's one it, little thing in that, nicely that, that done I really there. love, too is it's really tiny but when they bust in like grizzlor crouches down to get through the doorway yeah and then like stands back up it, it's such a small little thing but i think it's just like i don't know i just well, thought that from was the, really from cool. the movie that, i mean yeah. exactly like what he man does yeah. in the movie he like mm -hmm. he crouches down in there like it's right I, I i think that um teddy did a great job like i don't mm -hmm. think it was full mimic as far as gwildor's voice but Again, when you, the reason why we love these characters in general is because we see them in contrast with other characters. Like, that's how, I mean, let's just talk about, like, the human aspect of it. Like, the reason why I love you guys are because you guys are all not the same. Like, that's, and so when you see them be able to, like, show, like, oh, well, Gwildor is just a replacement Orko. But then you see this scene happen and these scenes happen. You're like, no, they're different dudes. Like, let yeah. them breathe a little bit. Let them have characters. Like, let, let them have a personality mm -hmm. and watch them interact. And, like, literally watching this five episodes, and if anything came out of it, it's like, there are way less Orko and way less Gwildor haters today than oh, there yeah. were mm -hmm. a month ago. Oh, yeah. Like, it's crazy to think about that. Mm -hmm. and, and and Gwildor very much is playing the role that Roboto played in Revelation as mm -hmm. far as kind of the tech guy that's doing something with the sword and all this and that so like he's playing that role but he also has his own personality and yep. it's and so seeing that that interaction between him and Orko has been cool too so. absolutely yeah. 
All right, scene three. Marlena wakes up in the cell and Adam goes over all the obstacles that are making him feel powerless to stop what's happening. Marlena lets him know that love and the willingness to fight for what matters are his power. Even simple courage is power and Adam has more than anyone she's ever known. Um, meanwhile, in Grayskull, Keldor and Skeletor are having one of their heart-to-hearts. Uh, where Motherboard is hardwired into the castle. Skeletor is claiming that Hordak has helped him reclaim his birthright to the palace, while Keldor asks why Hordak's banner is the one flying over this place. Uh, he is just Hordak's errand boy. And Keldor convinces Skeletor to pull Motherboard's plug. Uh, we join Hordak looking out over Eternos, saying how he hates the smell of this place as Skeletor comes up to him bearing a gift box. Hordak says his gift will into the gift that Motherboard gave him, Eternia. Uh, Hordak mentions how even now Skeletor is so attached to that magical talisman that is the Havoc Staff. Skeletor admits that once you have the Havoc Staff, it is not easy to discard. And that is why Hordak cursed Keldor with it so many years ago. Skeletor admits he should thank Hordak for giving him purpose, taking him from exile, and training him. But he's also given him someone to fight against. Hordak is convinced Skeletor still works for him. And Skeletor gestures to the gift box. Hordak opens the box to find Motherboard's head inside. Hordak powers himself up and declares that this will be their final battle as the two begin to fight. In the cell under the palace, Adam, Marlena, and Cringer feel the shaking as the battle begins. Through the help of a locator device on Marlena's ankle, Andra finds her way to their cell to free them, asking Adam that to promise that they'll save every last one of the people infected by the Horde. Adam agrees and tell her, since he can't be He-Man, he's going to need to stop by his father's old armory. Cool stuff. Memorize uh, your first, yeah. Uh, looks like I'm up. So, I know you guys have probably, you guys discussed this before, but so jump in. Like, obviously, the chip on the tongue. Yep. Uh, all that stuff. Like, everything sort of was fast forward. Like, yes. It definitely in comic book form and in, 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 in your head, like in a comic book form, they can make that seem a lot longer than it was in this. Um, but even just imagining like Keldor, like being King and like, he basically like you thought he was going to take over by making everyone tech, like with that big battle yep. team at the beginning. But that was just his way of getting in. Like, the way to make everyone tech was, like, to give them, for lack of better terms, the, to give them the vaccine. And so, and, and so it's interesting, like, watching this all play out. And, yes, part of me is like, oh, it just it happened so fast. And, like, you know, Andra, like, she's just that she's just dumb too quick. But, like, if you think about it in the logical exactly terms. what like, I said. <laughs> in last yeah. episode, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like, like you were I, with us. <laughs> I, I, you know, giving it the benefit of the doubt as far as storytelling goes, though, is that, like, yeah, like she, I mean, 
we can't we have to give it room to breathe because if we're going to call her dumb for that, like obviously like he man's super dumb and like everybody that ex accepted this guy is super dumb. He just freaking showed up, but also it's a pretend story. So like, whatever, um, five episodes, uh, Marlena, I'm right with you guys. I think you guys said it in episode one, like I just heard to it. Alicia Silverstone, her voice is too iconic as far as a ditzy girl voice that like she did not work for Marlena for me whatsoever. Mm. Um, and uh, same thing, honestly, with Tila um, as well. Like her voice was not as iconic as Alicia Silver, but like Alicia Silverstone, her, she, Marlena sounded younger than Tila in season one, like in some scenes, like mm -hmm. I just didn't really care for that. And these two, the two switches on these actress, actresses, I very much enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we get these little pockets of like filmation, like that are just, you say it's, or think it's boring because it's just so formulaic, but like, yeah, like Adam, this is literally why, bro, you went to heaven and everyone was their super powerful self and you were yourself. Yep. Like that's what sets you apart. Like, so that foundation has always been there. Um, so that, that scene was just nice. And she's got her little anklet uh, device on and, and then the box, the scene with the box was great just because. What's in the box? Because, yeah, exactly. The exactly. Box? Well, and it's funny because we all know. We all knew. What he, he was carrying that box and all of us are like, we yeah. hope we get to see Motherboard's head because that's mm -hmm. what's in it, period. Absolutely. Um, and, and so we're, we're watching it and he's just like, it makes perfect sense. Like he's explaining like. It's just, it's, it's a very good, um, Hey, I know you were my master, but I've grown up since I've been with you. Yep. Like I've, I've learned things. I've become more of a master myself in my own ways. And so, um, I, I really liked the voice of Hordak, the body type, the, the imposing sort of, um, leader that he is for the horde i i really think that they nailed that character um that makes you want more um but then just they didn't give you too much of him but just again I, again that's they they push so much stuff in these five episodes but the balance i think they balanced it very very well just jumping in real quick on that that hordak part the the other part that i love on him is that up until now He's had everybody else fight his battles for him. Yes. You know, but he it's not because he can't. Like, he can throw down. And if he's got to throw down, he's going to. Like, and, and so getting to that point, like getting him to the point where he is ready to do it himself is kind of that Thanos moment. Like, you know, fine, well, I'll just do it myself. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, like that's what I got from this. And at the same time, it's showing like, this is the uncalculated part. Mm -hmm. Everything else has planned so meticulously, so methodically, and it's all gone to plan. You mm -hmm. know, part of the inoculation, the vaccine thing was the fact that Keldor had that ready to go. He was doing it with, with or without Andra because they already had that planned out. Getting Andra in on it was just that little bit he needed to, like, make it more legit in the eyes of, of the attorney, uh, the attorneyans. Um so, like, but then that's when Hordak realizes he messed up. Is they're on that balcony, he's got the box, he sees Motherboard's head, and Hordak realizes, I've sent my top dudes 
to go get the power sword. Mm-hmm. I've got no troopers with me. It's like I've got to do this now because this is this is well, the one thing I didn't see coming. Yeah, I he was, likes to have everything planned out and very yep. methodical. Whereas yep. we've talked about like Skeletor is more chaotic, like it's yep. just impulse stuff. Yep. And so Skeletor has really brought him into his type of fight. It's yep. it's like they say, don't wrestle with a pig because you're both going to get muddy, but the pig's going to like it. Yes. That's, that's Skeletor. Like he wants you to be in this situation where you have to think on the spot and do things yep. right away. And, and that, that's and, not the way that Hordak likes to do things. So nope. nope. Hordak yeah. would have never let him get that close, except he was assured by motherboard that he was under complete control. Yeah. That, that is that monkey wrench there. And yeah. you know, it'll come up to bite him later. We'll talk about it, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm I think it's you. I think it's you or Shawnee. Yeah, I'm just trying to think if I had anything oh. else besides because that, that was a big part of it. Um, Marlena. So Marlena and Adam there. Um, I know I mentioned in the last episode. You know, episode three was really like Ad- by that point, Adam had lost all his support system. Mm-hmm. Man, arms and Orca were off doing their thing for the mission. Tila's off doing her thing for the mission. Marlena's mysteriously absent. So like, you know. Then to have this scene in the dungeon where Adam's at his lowest, like he's realizing he messed up. You know, he's he he acted aggressive. He put his faith in the wrong person, you know, and, you know, who better to help you with that than your mother? Like, and she's, you know, her coming in to ground him again, give him that support that he's missing. I mean, the dude hasn't had time to grieve, not in Mm -hmm. the way he should, Mm -hmm. because it's just been, you know, we got to crown a new king. We got to do this. We got Skeletech. We got Motherboard. We got, you know, duh, 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 duh. and it's like, th- if anything, this is like the calmest Adam moment where like mm-hmm. he can just think and clear his head and get back on, on the right path, you know, and remind it, her reminding him that, you know, he's going to do the right thing. He's going to mess up, but he's going to, he's going to, and that it's just a great scene between the two. Of them. Yeah. And, and we talked about in the last episode how, you know, she was mysteriously absent as, yeah. you know, Keldor is handing out these, you know, uh, you know, chips to people to put on their tongue yep. and stuff. And like, where is the former queen? Like, she's not there, like either saying, yes, this is a good idea or no, it's not like we don't know where she's at. And then she gets thrown in this cell and and we don't know where she's been or what's happened, but she doesn't look like she's been treated well. And, right. and it, and it, it doesn't look like it just happened. Like it, I don't know if she's been tortured or if she's been, you know, what's happened, yep. but she's not in good shape. Um, so it does help to kind of bridge that, you know, what I felt like was a plot hole in the last episode mm-hmm. that like, where the heck is she somehow, some way Keldor Skeletor had her taken out of the picture or whatever. Yep. Um, and now here she is, and yeah, she's she's not in the in a good way. So yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it, <laughs> it, it's it, like for me, this was one of those moments that I I agree completely. Like Alicia Silverstone couldn't have done this no. at all. Gates McFadden is it yes. was it was like the minute that she delivered her her speech to Adam. I felt like I could take on an army because that's the kind of way a mom should make you feel like in that, that moment in particular, 
like the delivery of that was priceless to me just hearing how she said it knowing knowing and having faith in her child and also her being smart enough to know he was he-man a lot longer than randor ever did if we're following the filmation like guideline of well she says she says that in revelation too when they find out she admits that she knew before that's right i forgot they did that so So yeah that is is valid it's all of it build up to this moment and i love how like like what matt was just saying you know it's like sometimes sometimes it's like just having a, a, a pep talk from your parent is enough for you to like get that second or third win you need in that kind of a moment. And I, I like how that was done. And uh, like the thing, I, I, I don't know why I didn't even put that together, but Hordak is Thanos. And the thing that, that I always found disturbing about Thanos is how calm he always was. Mm-hmm. He was, he was, it, it unnerved me to no end that he literally would just walk through an army. If he knew the infinity gauntlet was just, on the other side of the battlefield and he would just whatever just get them by me i'll keep moving and when you see hordak have to take up arms against skeletor here it really is unnerving too because he does the littlest he needs to to prove i i can still beat you this way yep Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because you're watching this kind of doesn't seem like he's taking him seriously that's for sure it's it's like he's literally swatting at a fly Mm -hmm. while he's trying to do it because you can tell he's not going to spend expend the energy needed to fight him and he's not Mm -hmm. taking this like you said he's not taking it seriously but it and and it's interesting because like you know he is so focused and skeletor's so adhd riddling kid that it's it's just like the two crazy forces coming together it actually makes one of the most entertaining battle scenes in this entire uh five episodes for me to just watch this and the the turn of events of skeletor knowing stuff and it's like Hordak's just finding out how much skeletor knows now and i like that it mm-hmm. even has him a little off balance yeah. And him just going, uh, oh crap! Like mm-hmm. motherboard led led you to these conclusions, and now I got to deal with this on top of everything else I'm doing right now. Oh come on, you know I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you guys hit most of it. I just got two more things. One is, you know, we talked about um, earlier on when uh, motherboard kind of smacked Skeletor, Skeletor down and, and told him not to, you know, speak when yep. she's, you know, talking and all this and that. And, you know, I said, this is going to come back to bite her and this is where mm-hmm. it comes back to bite her. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you, you very much, you, you pissed off, you, you poked the dog in the cage and you really shouldn't have. Um, mm-hmm. so there's that part. And then the other thing that I wanted to mention is like, I'm still with this whole Skeletor Keldor thing. I don't know if Keldor, like if, if they're split personalities, mm-hmm. I don't know if Keldor is good or bad. I really don't. Um, because in he's this definitely self-serving. He's mm-hmm. well, or or is there an uh, an ends to what he's trying to do? Like he convinces Skeletor to take out Motherboard and fight Hordak. But if Keldor was good, if, if the story that he told when he was pretending to be Keldor about him and Randor being under the desk and, and being, you know, good friends growing up and stuff. Is there a part of Keldor that is trying to restore that to, to get Eternia back to help 
He-Man. Because because if he was, that's what you would expect him to do. You would expect him to have Skeletor turn on Hordak and, and Motherboard, which is what happens. Or is it self-serving and he's just trying to secure the victory for himself or themselves? I, I don't know. And I, I'm okay. Okay, I'm, let me let me. I'll 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 play with that because I'm I'm right with you now that I think about it. There are moments where Keldor goes back to um, I don't know if it's back to the castle or back to Stake Mountain, and mm. he and he um he turns back into Skeletor like he like blips yeah. and then he's back into Skeletor. Okay, mm. and then he's having a Skeletor moment. But if you stop and think about it, every moment that he's Keldor, mm-hmm. is he ever really acting like a bad guy? I don't know. Like outside of giving the chips to the people, which mm-hmm. is like part of the scout, like part of the big ruse, mm-hmm. like he, I don't know. And again, and again, that's a, that's a, it's an interesting play because even earlier I'm like, you guys did your episodes, but I'm watching episode one and then two happens. and. And it's like, I know that they could make him Skeletor, but he did it just good enough where I'm like, I kind of want two characters now. Like, I kind of want them to just be their own dudes. Like, I really enjoy this take on this Keldor character and making him um, uh, Gar. And uh, I don't know if you guys talked about that side of it, but that it seems like it's very, Gar is very tech heavy, Uh which which kind of is a little bit of a twist because I know 2000 X made and Gar very like spiritual, like Asian culture, spiritual side of things. But it seems like it's going straight tech with and Gar in this, um, whether well, they were to go there in the future or not. Sorry, Dooch, you were saying something. Uh, I was just going to say, so if you did read the, uh, forge of destiny prequel comic, um, okay. Uh, this seems like a good point to bring it up. Yeah. Sean, I actually have a better appreciation for this comic now because now having seen these five episodes, I realize what they were actually trying to do with this. Mm-hmm. Which is what for those of that, uh, so, uh, that haven't read that. <laughs> this is so it, it deals with uh, uh, it's kind of an origin story for Cyclone, but not really. But they do follow his gar. He is a gar. It has to do with Randor and the Eternians visiting Anwatgar for the first time in a long time. And it really gets into the kind of the magic versus technology where the, the Isle of Anwatgar is very technological based and they don't trust, you know, the Grayskull magic. Um, hmm. And so at the time it felt very uneven, but now thinking back on it, it's like, okay, so this was trying... This was giving us the background for this, but we didn't know it was. And that's why it felt uneven at the time. And we even said reviewing it, like, where are they going with this? Well, you know, they, they, yeah. they gave some of that, but it's still uneven because a lot of I'm it not still doesn't. I, I'm not I saying it's a great comic saying. now. No, I, I can appreciate but, what you're saying, but the way it was done is still a Tim Seeley comic. Is all it is. Saying, so. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. But but I th- but I'm like okay I I see why they chose to tell this story. Yeah, no, you know, I, I agree with that. I agree with that, but uh yeah. Yeah, I mean I, my my main thing on there is just like and part of it's me hoping that Keldor's a good like I really like 
Shatner. I really like the character. And, and so I'm just hoping <laughs> that it's a good guy. And well, so I'm sitting here looking at it and I'm going, man, I don't know. I just, I, I, I think I, that if he was, if Keldor, that personality was good, he would be advising him to do the things that he's doing right now. So I, I don't know. I think Keldor is a better guy than Skeletor. Yeah. But I don't think he's a good guy. And we kind of touched on that last week. Here, here's where I would put it. Here's what I would say. Like Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi, right? right. He's a bad guy, but he right. still has that connection to his kids. He still right. has that little well, that's bit what of I'm something. Saying. So, yeah. yeah, I think there's something in there that's redeemable that it's like, yes. you know, he, yeah. But I still think he's ever going to be like, I'm Captain Keldor. I'm going to save the children. Right. Like, no, he's never. Do you, gonna... do you think, so do you think that if, let's say, Motherboard's there for like two years, okay? And Hordak and the ships are two years away, and Keldor is king for two years. I think there's enough evidence in his character that by the time they get there, he's actually happy with his life that he like oh, has yeah. as king. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I mm -hmm. feel like Skeletor's been gone long enough, and maybe he pops up in the mirror every once in a while. But I think that like living out the life that he never got to have because i definitely think that those flashbacks were re like the the loki thor flashback under the desk type of stuff mm -hmm. i think that but i don't think he that those memories were fabricated i think that they were just unlocked well and and uh douche brought it up in the second episode like when he is pretending to be keldor when he doesn't realize that he is keldor and he's pretending to be keldor he does come across very genuine and it's not like Skeletor is not that great of an actor. Like Skeletor, like right. you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like we yeah. see through filmation and other things when he goes like undercover or whatever he disguised yeah. himself. This was very. It felt very genuine, and so part of me wonders: Is there a little piece of Keldor in there that is still that brother of Randor that cares about Eternia? That like that there's some connection. Dude, Skeletor so. can't can't wait to reveal himself if he's like yeah. undercover in that way like yeah. it just personality wise like he's like he can't wait to say gotcha. he's incapable, yeah. he's incapable right. of being stealthy yeah but i do <laughs> like again i'll reiterate especially for matt rad wasn't here last episode like i like what they've done where even with skeletor and keldor being the same person they are not the same at all like Skeletor is clearly Skeletor mm -hmm. and Keldor is clearly Keldor and you know that way you know you can still have your Skeletor insane Lord of Destruction um and and I like that better than just he's Keldor with no face right so correct agreed all right scene four man of war Tila and Evelyn have to fight their way through the infected trying to get to the castle Meanwhile, Orko is handling the heavy hitters of the Horde all on his own to buy Gwildor time to finish the modifications to his sword. Uh, Gwildor enters the fray, wielding the Sword of Power to help fight once he completes it. Uh, Hordak and Skeletor fight throughout the Royal Palace. Skel uh, every move Skeletor make makes, Hordak counters easily. Flashbacks at the Fright Zone show Keldor being trained by Hordak. Hordak tells Keldor magic is a, is a cheat, and the Horde is based on technology. Whoever masters technology, masters the universe. 
meanwhile, the heroes find their way together for a brief reunion until the infected real blast snout spout buzz off Rain Man and a ton of Eternos guards converge on them for battle. Evelyn teleports away to find Skeletor and watches as Skeletor and Hordak take their battle to the skies. In flashback, we see Hordak giving the Havoc staff to Keldor. And as Keldor receives the power of Havoc, uh, he is reborn into Skeletor. Uh, and now in front of Grayskull, Skeletor and Hordak face off with Hordak saying, using technology to face him makes him a fool. Skeletor's hands glow in black and purple magic that soon captures Hordak. Skeletor knows that Hordak relies on tech because magic is something he doesn't understand, which is why he's always needing an acolyte. Hordak says he should have left Keldor to die on that island years ago. Skeletor makes a sword appear from his Havoc staff and declares, My name is Skeletor, and runs Hordak through the chest. Skeletor turns to see Lynn stand in a portal. She casts a spell that cuts the Havoc staff uh, off of his arm, she takes the Havoc Staff and exits through the portal. Your first, Dooch. I know. I need to take a breath for a second. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm reversing uh, even when I do that. <laughs> heck of a scene. Heck of a scene. I love the Hordak Skeletor battle. It is beautifully animated. I love all the nods. Hordak turns into the cannon. The rocket cannon ship like that's something I never thought we'd see again. You know, they're blasting through the sky. They made something that initially 100% conceived as kind of corny and slapstick yeah. and then make it look cool. Oh, it looks mm. so badass. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that whole thing is great. The, you know, Hordak or Skeletor killing Hordak, this. I guess it's not early because it's episode four or five, but still, like, I didn't expect it there, you know, and uh, Skeletor embracing the magic and, like we've been saying, embracing Skeletor. I am Skeletor. Like, I have become something else. Maybe even Skeletor is declaring, maybe I started as Keldor, but I'm no longer that. Mm -hmm. Um and again, it just Hordak's overconfidence and Hor and like like I said in the previous scene, him allowing himself to be put into that situation where he has to fight with no safety net. Um, it just shows that Skeletor is the the Lord of Chaos, Lord of Destruction, and he will make he will make you do stupid stuff and you'll pay for it. So mm -hmm. and of course the heroes joining up and everything that was good too. <laughs> but Skeletor and Hordak take this part for me. So uh, I actually was really entertained by the fact that when we go back to Gwildor's place, yeah, all of a sudden you're seeing the Horde guys getting their butts kicked out of there and Orko's taking on all of them. And I'm like, this is why revelation and now revolution has made me an orco convert compared to me as a kid not liking him at all because i've had that discussion many times this i don't know what i don't know how they managed to do it but they managed to make me love this character finally 
And I love that he's holding them off by himself, even Leech using the sucker to try to get him, and he uses his his scarf to like block it and all that stuff, which was great. And then I love that when when he's like, Is it finally ready? And he, he's like, Yeah, I think so. And he's like, What should we do? Well, you got a sword, use it. And he's yes. just like, for the love of God, give me something here, you know. And, and, I, and I like how the whole time Orko and Gwildor have just been needling each other oh, yeah. and everything, yeah. but then it's like as soon as the horde shows up, it's like, dude, let let's get them. Like, yeah, you know, it's it's the bickering's gone. It's yeah, like, exactly, you know, exactly. We are on the same side. They just uh, like to mess with each other. And 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 that's it, like, that's the thing about the horde. Every time, it's like when when we were kids, they were introduced as Skeletor and He Man have to team up against a bigger evil which for me that was the first time i ever heard of that happening anywhere and the idea that someone evil was going to team up with a good guy blew my mind so it's like the fact that they did that with gwildor and orko in this was really cool for the fact that they were needling each other and the two halves of technology and magic had to team up to make uh stuff happen here which was a really nice touch and then yeah like I loved um, I loved the back and forth during the fight with Hordak because during it you get these flashbacks of him being trained, him accepting the Havoc staff, and you get those like in between moments of of things that might have gone, you know, they they might have passed those by for bigger moments. Instead, they did these like personal little moments in that battle to show here's the birth of Skeletor and literally the the skin and muscle melting off his face and there's Skeletor for the first time and um for me not liking the way Filmation handled the technology side of Hordak this is how I would have rather seen it as a kid It, it just it literally showed him as being like an unstoppable force to fight Skeletor but then that moment where you get to the point where his his the the magic is also coming through and bubbling out of him and stuff, and I like that this is Eternia. There's more than one side to this and all that, and the, and I love that you see Hordak against the ropes finally and all that. It, it it's really like I I love that he's doing everything in his power to just be like needling Skeletor there, and that's what Skeletor is like. I'm Skeletor. Are you freaking? You know like. Bitch, yeah. I'm Skeletor. <laughs> even, even when Skeletor's got him, he still doesn't seem worried or anything. No. You know, like there's no point where Hordak loses his confidence. Yeah. Like through the moment he's stabbed, he's still that, yeah. like well, even even though even even that though, could that be a sign? You know what I mean? Like as far as just Hordak just yeah. himself, like it's it's yeah, and and when you're saying that too, and both of you made the point, um, don't mean to cut you off, but it's like, it's like technology and Hordak, like everything you guys have said, it's just about the calculation. Yep. And like, what can't you calculate? Yep. Magic. Like mm-hmm. you can't like, like that's one thing you can't count on. Like it's right. not, it's, and maybe someday you can. And the whole like magic is, you know, technology we don't understand yet. And blah, yeah. blah, blah, and like those conversations, but essentially it's like unharnessed technology. So like the fact that he doesn't understand that and that stirs Skeletor and Skeletor realizes that. So that's a, it's a cool, it's a cool uh, moment. Can you imagine Hordak trying to like study Orko's magic? Like before he got it all figured out, like, 
<laughs> you know, it would drive him nuts. There's no, how do you fail sometimes, he get would, it right the other times? Would, like, it, it makes no sense. Error 404 popping yeah. up constantly and driving him insane. <laughs> it's like the only person who can completely, like, mess with his calm is Orko because he doesn't understand it anymore. Absolutely. No. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys have hit on most of the points there. Uh, the, the, uh, you know, just a couple more things on there. One, one was uh, with the whole Keldor training with Hordak. You know, once again, I'm like, okay, what's what's going on here? Like, because this is before his mind's wiped. Right. Like, was Keldor voluntarily working with Hordak? Or was he being forced to? Like, what's going on there? Was, was, was Did he already have the intentions of going and taking over Eternia and fighting Randor? Like, what... You know what's going on at in, at that time, um, yeah. so that that was kind of part of what's going through my head. And then the only other one thing I wanted to mention that that I didn't hear you guys talk about was uh, when Evelyn takes the Havoc Staff part. Yeah. Like it was very much, you know, I think that's a fanboy moment that Kevin Smith made in there because a lot of people were like, "Why didn't Doctor Strange do that to Thanos and just, just cut, cut his it. hand off with the mm-hmm. gauntlet?" You know, because like he did that with the Cull Obsidian and he lost his Mm -hmm. hand. And they're like, yeah, if he can make those portals and just make them close. And why didn't he just do that and cut his hand off with the gauntlet? And that's exactly what she does. Like she cuts his hand off with the the Havoc staff. And it's like, okay, that to me, that was like a nerd moment. Like you guys wanted to see this and you didn't get it in in Endgame. Right. We're going to give it to you now or Infinity War. We're going to give it to you now. Well, and we're going to give it to you because our character's smart. Like, our character's, like, smart in a way <laughs> yeah. that, like, you would, you wanted them to be anyway. Like, we wanted right. Doctor Strange to be smart in that way. And so, um, right, right along with that is that, so, uh, she doesn't even hesitate. Like, it's, like, not a, like, no, it's, hey, like it's, not, it's not a, hey, babe, yeah. like, how you doing? Like, we're going to talk about the old times. It's just, she's there to get that. I'm getting yeah. that. I'm gone. And yeah. so that really, that really the, yeah, you just we just got done watching this big fight between Hordak and Skeletor where there's all this banter back and forth and and it's attack, counterattack, mm-hmm. block, this and that. And and she's just like, no, I'm just there, get the havoc staff. Like, yeah, you're right. No, no it, 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 it confirms her character arc that yeah. she's like, she's she it's she's not lingering in the past in that moment. No. Like she's yeah. she's she's moved on and she's talked about it and she's made those jo- like you guys probably talked about like the jokes and like you know and her and skeletor and she knows what love looks like and those types of things but um i really i mean when when they leave it up in the air the last scene and then in this scene they jump forward and you have orko you know fighting them off i just thought i just thought it was again really cool seeing that you know taking orko to the next level um with the purpose and Gwildor like using using Gwildor in a hundred percent like logical way. Like yep. he is a locksmith. He is a key maker. He is a, he's a tech wizard. Like, and so to use him in this series, like they didn't necessarily really even need to, you, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they, not that they wrote the scene. They, they didn't read, write this. I, I don't think that they went in being like, okay, so how can we work Gwildor into this? I mm. think that they had a story and they like brainstormed on it and they were like, yeah, like, well, 
well, we need something like we need an upgrade to the power sword. And then that took them down the Gwildor path. I don't think mm -hmm. that they necessarily like wrote this in mind with like wanting to do a Gwildor, I guess. Um, yeah. And uh, like you guys touched on just the fact that dude, Skeletor, I just love, I just love when he's, when he's true to himself and like mm -hmm. he's, he's true to himself in so much of this stuff. And like, it's those moments and those one-liners that like, you're just like, yeah, like again, we all have our own interpretation of these characters in our heads and like how they would act or what they would say and everything. And I just give this writing team credit in like finding those voices that like, for the most part, the masses of us are like, oh yeah, that's what he says. And like, oh yeah, that's what he does. And like with Hordak and like the calculation, like mm -hmm. giving him this posture and this, in this purpose, like, oh yeah, that's what he would do, you know? And so, so I think that that's just really, really cool in, in the storytelling side of it, that, that, that again, they found a voice in all of these main characters, Eva Lynn and everything with her, her, her growth that people are identifying with just as good writing you know well and and it's it's one of those things too where like skeletor's a bad guy and he does some awful things but secretly we're all kind of rooting for him a little bit yeah. so, you know so so when he you know finally is done being somebody else's b-word and he's like you know no i'm not playing second or third fiddle anymore and and stands up we're all like yeah like this yeah. is what this is this is what we wanted what have you been doing with this whole tech cult and all this kind of stuff mm -hmm. and and kneeling to other people like this that's not you this is you yeah I, I want my skeletor back right <laughs> <laughs> all right uh scene five uh the heroes are trying to take out their comrades who are infected without killing them as Tila uses her magic to stop part of the palace from falling during the battle, we see the two sides of her Ka and Zor being pulled apart. Uh, she, as she cries out in pain, Marlena tries to make sure she's okay, but Rayman attempts to take them both out. Before he can hurt them, the battle armor from episode one steps in to knock Rayman away, this time piloted by Adam. I really wish Jesse had been here for this. Hmm. Uh, this is the first time Adam has seen Tila and realizes she's green now due to the Ka magic. She tells him she's been doing this for her father, for his father, to access the ancient magic and bring back Preternia. Adam admits that she doesn't need to do that for him. He just needs to know she's right there beside him. Evelyn teleports in with the Havoc staff and warns them. Skeletor has killed Hordak and is becoming a bigger threat than ever. Tila takes the Havoc staff and begins to use the Havoc magic. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, she tries to use all three powers together in an attempt to recreate Paternia, but the power is too much for her. The various incarnations phasing in and out as she's trying to keep it together. Reality itself looks like it is in danger as Evelyn casts a shield around the heroes to protect them. And we hear Adam yelling Tila's name as the screen cuts to black. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I lost track. Sean. Sean. Oh, okay. 
Um, yeah, the, this this is good stuff because, uh, like, again, seeing Evelyn go in, cut off the uh, Havoc staff, and she just gives it away when she yep. shows up again. She, well, she's like, in for the mission. Like, she, she is. She, she is, but yep. if there was ever a moment where it's like, oh, if we wanted to go back and do the, the next five episodes, it could have been she takes that and goes fighting. And so That's what the old God, one would have done. The, yes. And that's the what they did in season one. That's, I mean, that's, 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 season one. That's, what I, that's what drove me nuts about season one, and I'm glad that in this, she just gives it away. We get to see what Havoc looks like when Tila is affected by it, which is an interesting new uh, design. And that is one where I'm like, I hope there's a figure because I wouldn't mind seeing that figure. Personally. It, 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 aren't they releasing that figure? They have the new um, NECA Gargoyles line, right? <laughs> Basically, I was thinking that too. It, she really did look like one of the Gargoyles, but it, it worked. And, and, a little bit, and, it, it did uh, like when when she gets the the havoc power and she just starts doing the incantation. I like how yep. otherworldly she was sounding and the the, mm-hmm. the effects they gave her, the script there with the the dialogue, and I I just I love how that's like the the last thing you hear is Tila and then it goes black. I, I just because it, it I mean it's like if you've ever had a a uh, moment like that, the cliffhanger moment there, that's the moment where it's like if you're late for work, you're just calling off sick because you got to see what happens yeah. right after this. And for it's a, a great m- cliffhanger. For a minute there, you think it's going to work. Like, everything seems good. She's got the three powers. Everything's going yeah. and then all of a sudden, it just all starts spinning out of control. Very yeah. well done. Very well paced. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to add on that. Um, you know, it was cool seeing all the the other heroes that were mind controlled, um, you know, and, and even just the attorney and guards and, yep. and then, you know, we've talked about how Tila and Ad have been on these kind of separate journeys as this, this series has gone on. So to get them to come back together and, you know, the, the first kind of interaction is like, Oh, you're green, you know, and then like, kind of, <laughs> I did it you know, like, you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause you would, you would need to explain that. Like you just show up and you're green, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and like, here's Eva Lynn, like, what the heck is she doing here and stuff? So, you know, I, I just felt like even, you know, we've talked a lot about how there's five episodes and you can't fit all this stuff in there but they fit enough in there to make it make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even just the little dialogue pieces like that. So, um, and then, and then I, I loved the whole part with, you know, towards the end there with the the staff and the, you know, the different, you know, versions of her and all kind of morphing together and, and all that. It, it was just very cool visuals. So. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm down with this tri sorceress sort of like um this vibe of the we, we this season specifically especially with randor dying and you guys talked about it episode one um of your reviews that like i'm in love and i think and to be honest with you i think that our age range fans especially with Motu right now specifically, it seems like as far as how this season has been accepted, we are finally just ready to accept 
new, like new content, like new story, like progression of character and all this stuff. We're even in last season, and I know a lot of it's bots and a lot of it's people complaining, but like, it's like, dude, I want new stuff. Like, everyone's like, well, it wasn't like, it wasn't filmation. And it's like, I don't care. Like, I, I'm, I'm to the point where I just want new stuff. So when I see this Trisorcerous, uh, like, kind of entity and this, this, this new way of, of, of you know, uh, her forming and these, these new powers, it's, it's just giving me like I, I I need that creative juice in it, and so can I offer a, a, a quick point point of view on there? Yeah, I I think the here's here's my problem with it. We went a long time with nothing. There was nothing for Motu, right? Yep. Was teases of a live action movie that never happened, yeah. and all this and that. Yeah, right. And then and then we got Revelation, which in my opinion was very close to what we had and maybe what we wanted but with some changes that people didn't like. Yeah. And, but then we got the CGI series, which is a huge departure from everything that we knew of masters. Yep. But if you watch it, it's fun. Oh, it is amazing. a cool series. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. And yep. I think after having gone through the CGI series, even for the people that didn't maybe watch the whole thing, maybe they only watched a little bit of it. I think that people walked away from that going, Hey, that was really different from what I know. But it still was kind of fun. And yeah. I think that opened some people's eyes to, you know, maybe change isn't all bad. And, and so yeah, I, and, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's almost like it's almost like they like did a side show to like help soften the blow of, hey, we yeah. want to like spice things up. And like it's not mm. fully changing. It's just, pro again, progression of character. Like how many times? And that's why even with the most recent Spider-Man, they didn't do the Uncle Ben stuff. Because right. we've seen it 15 we know times. It. We like, know it. it's, we've known it so much. And so that's why, like, early on, it's like, yeah, I get it that Prince Adam and He-Man are part of the lore. But once we finally get over the hump of Tila knowing who he is and everyone knowing who Prince Adam is, now we can actually explore, like, new ideas that just for me, that that's why even with, like, Infinity Saga, like, those movies, I remember specifically being like, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. And a lot of shows and seasons and movies and stuff and books turned into movies. Like, we kind of know what's going to happen. Like, yep. I know in Lord of the Rings what's going to happen. Yes, it's cool seeing it visually, but I know what's going to happen. These, you know, uh, Witcher and like all this stuff, like Reacher, and we know what's going to happen. And so finally, we're dabbling into like completely new storyline with characters that we like and i'm like lynn she just cut off his hand and walked away yep. good for good for you good good for <laughs> you you know and so so that's what that's what's kind of fresh i guess the, a fresh take on this season was where right when they kill randor in the beginning and you guys talked about it in your episode one and i'm like dang that that kind of stinks but oh but see where they go like well, show yep. me what just show me what they're gonna do well, the, the, to counter that really quick, the 2012 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series, for instance, they went to places that I didn't expect them to go. The, Splinter dies. Spoiler alert. But wow. They literally, Thanks. Now I, don't have to, I was just getting ready to watch that. Yep, I was going to watch that. 
<laughs> and you you shouldn't have watched Ninja Turtles five times in one day. You should have took a little bit of that time and saved it for 2012 when that. No, but anyway, anyway, no, like I mean, they they went to places where the other versions didn't go to at that yep. point, and they made really compelling stories because of those mm. choices. And that's kind of like I've been so like frustrated about filmation and and people who that's all they want to have because it's like what about that lets you have a story that is going to keep you moving forward it's just mm-hmm. going to keep resetting and i i get that there you know the appreciation is there i'm not going to ever say it, you know and undermine it as oh it's crap it's not but it worked as episodic tv for us as kids to do morality tales Mm. i wanted to see a progression of what happens when randor isn't there what happens if tila becomes a sorceress and now that we're going there i'm just sitting here going i i'm really excited that they're going to some storylines that i've always wondered what could happen over 30 years of my life ever since the show was over when I was a kid, you know? And yeah, I guess just kind of sum up my, cause sometimes I just like splurt shit out of my mouth and I don't think about it, but like to really kind of condense consolidate is like revelation was almost too close to what we wanted. So then we found ourselves nitpicking on the stuff that's not perfect. Whereas I think the CGI series, at least for me, I don't want to speak for, you know, everybody else, but for me, the CGI series opened up to me like, Hey, some of this stuff, even if you do wild changes, like stuff that's just off the wall, it can be pretty fun. And it could be a whole separate version of Masters in your mind. Um, and and it for for me at least, it opens me up to accept more things like this in this series and and not try to nitpick every little detail. The so, whole hmm. the whole bad fat skeletor Lynn and like the the whole bad faction and CGI, like they branched off of like because they had dissension within like the kingdom and within like Eternia, like and so having trapped Cronus be Kronos being a man at arms mentor and like things like that, where you're like, okay, like I'm this is a cool take. This is a this is an interesting take. And so seeing all that stuff again, I I, I think I think you're you hit the nail on the head because character wise, yeah, like Tila filmation she was always kind of a jerk like if you like if you if we were to literally take revelation voice actress tila and like have her read filmation lines i bet we can convince some people that those lines came from the revelation show they watched a couple years ago and they wouldn't even check on the source but like they would assume it was Mm -hmm. oh that's from revelation she was a jerk in revelation like no actually that was her in filmation she had one-liners to prince adam and like you know, and He-Man and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so, so well, I, part I, of that, I, the voice too, we talked about that in the episode mm-hmm. one review, like Sarah Michelle Geller is just not like, she just has kind of she that tone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yep, it's resting bitch face. The tone. It's not yeah, the look. Yeah. It's the tone. A hundred percent. Resting bitch voice. <laughs> resting bitch voice. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we lasted as long as we could. <laughs> I didn't say the f bomb yet. So not yet. We're getting there. <laughs> uh, but back to the scene at hand. Uh, so I agree with you guys completely. They uh, one of the great things though was just seeing come back together i mean we've had we've been on all these divergent mm-hmm. paths so like 
you know, Grant, we know it's episode four. We know five's coming up. But still, just seeing everyone together, it's like, okay, we're regrouped. We can come up with a plan here now. You know, it's not as bad. Um, you know, Adam coming in in the Hulkbuster armor, you know, a la Steve Rogers and alternate universes. That's why I yeah, wish mm-hmm. Jesse had been here. But, you know. Uh, did, you guys, did you guys notice, speaking of Ram Man, though, because mm-hmm. Pete jumps up as a evil Ram Man in this. Did you notice that they, in his solo shots, they make him look massive. But then in all the group shots, they actually go like little guy Ram Man size. Like, Oh, I he, didn't notice that. In any of the group shots, when he's standing next to he, even like yeah, he's he's filmation sized, yeah. where he's yeah. the short, stocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, I thought they did a great job as as far as just visually with him oh, uh, yeah. getting that route. It's just that the action figure was not this in the same vein, so that's kind of what threw me off. Unless wait, this one's technically um, New Eternia, so I guess it would be. You yeah, know, we haven't had an actual Revelation Ram Man action figure. Yeah, that is true. My bad. You can cut that from this. Uh, yep, we're gonna. <laughs> no we one will ever it. know that happened. Okay, <laughs> thank you. All right, so that wraps up episode four. You know what that means? We got to give it our power sword rating. So three power swords is the very best of the best. Two power swords is an above average episode. Uh, one power sword is a good episode, enjoyable. Then we got the Cosmic Enforcer. That's right down the middle. Neither good nor bad. Then we got the Havoc Staffs. One Havoc Staff is bad. Two Havoc Staffs is worse. Three Havoc Staffs should be sent to Matt Rod's basement where it'll never be seen again. Why are you even talking? Like, why? What? what is this rating system? We're rating the episode. Did I not just explain it? Do you really need me to repeat it again? I don't know. Don't. Please don't. Okay. <laughs> Sean, what's your uh, rating? I got to give it to two power swords. At, two power uh, swords for from Sean. Because it, it came back strong after the one power sword episode. And it, all the elements are lining up for me. Like, I literally, if I was late for work, I'd just call off sick because I'd need to see what that fifth episode is going to have finally. All right. Uh, first of all, I just want to say that I do have a problem with the rating because I do think that Cosmic Enforcer should be the best rating. <laughs> um, that should be above three power swords. Got to keep um, that balance. <laughs> <laughs> you ever you get the feeling maybe when he does the fifth episode, he's going to rate it as Xanthor and just leave it at that and drop the mic and walk yeah, away. If he doesn't like it, I guess. <laughs> um I think I it was definitely better than the last episode. I don't think it's quite as good as two, um, but the the fight between Skeletor and and Hordak was amazing. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it two and a half. I think it's pretty. Half. It's 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 almost a perfect episode. So I love it, Matt Rod. What's the best score it can get? Three power swords. I think that it's a. I'm going to give it a, a two and a half. I'm going to give it a two and a half. It, it finished off strong. Um, had me some guild. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to give it a three. I'm going to give it Matt a three. Matt Rod, give it out the three power swords. Yep. The only thing better is a cosmic enforcer. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <sighs> I've gone back and forth between two numbers. 
I was at two and two and a half, or I was just like struggling. Skeletor and Hordak, amazing. The heroes coming back. Uh, I'm going to go with two and a half. This was one of the best episodes of the series so far. I want to give it a three, but I just, I can't pretend that it's perfect like Matt Rodkin. So. It found its, it found its pace, though. I think that this oh, had yeah. a nice pace where we're no, watching. I'm, just, I'm each, giving you grief. But each, yes. No, no, no. I know I'm not. I'm rejecting your grief and I'm arguing it. <laughs> it each faction was coming together and the girls were coming yep. together and then the, the wizards are coming together and then the good guys are coming together and they're all bringing it together. Yep. And I will say that that Hordak death scene shocked me like like legitimately so did it make it sound like uh fright zone is on an island because was that the phrase like on this island somebody you know Anwat gar is the island mm-hmm. okay he should have left him for dead on Anwat gar oh okay, he should have okay. taken him with him that's okay. what he's saying yep all right, guys, thanks for tuning in. That was episode four. We'll be back soon. We're going to finish this off episode five. Uh, until then, make sure you're binge watching this show on Netflix. That is the way we get another season. Go to IMDb, make an account, rate it, Rotten Tomatoes, any of those websites, get it rated. You know, thumbs up, uh, double thumbs up, all that. And until next time, watch it again and again and again and again and again and again. Just leave it on. Just leave it on. Oh, come on.